wise are you? Call out for insight. And cry aloud for understanding. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Well, good morning, Journey. So good to be with you wherever you're gathered on site or online. Uh, we kick off a new series this morning called Collective Wisdom. We're going to spend seven weeks, mostly in the book of Proverbs, looking for the wisdom of God. And I don't know about you, but man, I need some more wisdom in my life. And I feel like the world needs some more wisdom in it right now. So here's how we're going to start this morning. I would love for us just to take a moment wherever we're at to bow our heads and pray that God would make us wise during these seven weeks. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make us more wise. Thank you that you are the one who holds all wisdom. We bow our knee to you, God. We ask humbly that you would give us your wisdom. Give us your wisdom in our homes, in our community. Give us your wisdom in the stillness of our own hearts. Give us wisdom in our online presence and social media. Give us wisdom in our conversations. And God, I pray for an extra measure of wisdom in this hurting world at this moment. Let us, God, be a light that we would shine your wisdom in these seven weeks. We pray and we commit it to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So I want to begin this morning by asking you a reflective question. Here is the question. How wise are you? How wise are you? I remember it very, very clearly. I was in second grade and I heard the story about King Solomon. Now, King Solomon was the son of David and he became the wisest man to ever walk the earth. And the backstory on how he became the wisest man to ever walk the earth is this. So Solomon has a connection with God. One evening, Solomon, or God comes to Solomon and says, Solomon, you can have anything in the world. It's like, it's like uh, the genie shows up, okay? Allah Baba had him 40 thieves. Shazada had a thousand tails, that kind of thing, okay? So God shows up, says, hey, what do you want? Anything in the world, Solomon. And Solomon thinks and thinks and thinks. And then he says, God, I want your wisdom. And God says, wow, I will give you that wisdom. And because you didn't ask for all the other things, the wealth and the prestige and the power, because you didn't ask for all those worldly things, you asked for wisdom, I'm gonna give you wisdom and I'm going to give you all of those other things as well, I remember hearing that story in second grade and I remember crawling into bed and I remember praying to Jesus, Jesus, give me wisdom like Solomon, 
but secretly I just wanted all the other stuff, okay? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be honest. And my little second grade self was like, well, that sounds like a good deal. I'm gonna make the same deal with Jesus and then I get all the other stuff too, right? So I'm not sure he has answered that. You can figure that out throughout this series. Um, but uh, I asked for wisdom. Until Jesus shows up, there is no one as wise as Solomon in the world. Solomon, who authored the book of Proverbs. The question is, how wise are you? Are you Solomon or are you Elmer Fudd, right? Shh, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits, right? Where are you on the spectrum of how wise you are? It'd probably be a better question to ask the person sitting next to you. How wise do you think that that person sitting next to you is? Because they might not have as high of a respect for you as you think of yourself, okay? So let's start with a general definition of wisdom. Here's my general definition of wisdom. It's the ability to apply general observations, knowledge, experience, and intelligence in specific ways that benefit the world around you, okay? So it's a general uh, observations, knowledge, experience that can be applied in specific ways. Ways. When you think about someone who is wise, they have the ability to apply all that they know to what's actually going on in the world around them. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. I don't think we live in a very wise age. And there isn't a subscription for wisdom, but folly is free of charge. Okay? There isn't a subscription for wisdom, but folly is free of charge. We live in a subscription world, don't we? You can have a subscription to Hulu, to Amazon Prime, or you can call your parents and ask them what their password is. I know, some of y'all are doing it. I get it, okay. You can have a subscription to the Wine of the Month Club. You can have a subscription to Masterclass. You can have a subscription for a workout routine and the food you should eat so you can lose 10 pounds in 10 weeks or whatever, right? You can have a subscription for all those things, but there is no subscription for wisdom. You cannot buy wisdom. And the problem is even worse than that. There's not only that there's no subscription for wisdom, it goes beyond that because folly is free of charge. Folly is all around us and it's easy for us to access. It's easy to stay foolish, to numb out to the deeper things of this life, to live according to the foolishness of the world we see around that. You can scroll all morning and get foolishness for free, okay? And so what we need right now, I don't think is more foolishness. What I've seen in this pandemic is that we don't need more foolishness. I, I, don't, I don't know how you think about all this, but like I get a front row seat as a pastor to how people respond in moments of crisis, okay? I've actually seen you all responding to crisis way before the pandemic, so I was not that surprised by some of you, okay? Okay, so, but here's the thing, right? Like when we hit crisis, when we hit these moments, wisdom is unveiled or lack of wisdom is unveiled. And right now, I think we need wisdom so, so much. I think we are lacking in wisdom. I think we are living in a foolish 
day and age. So we're gonna be looking at the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 1 today. We've got a couple uh, new teachers coming up uh, who are gonna be helping us out in collective wisdom throughout this series. And we're gonna be teaching through Proverbs and wisdom in the Bible. So we start with Proverbs today, uh, the book written by Solomon to kick off collective wisdom. Check out this video from the Bible Project that introduces us to Proverbs. There are three books in the Bible that have come to be called the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And all of these books are addressing the same set of questions. What kind of world are we living in? And what does it look like to live well in this world? So how to be good at life. Yeah. So each of these books tackles these questions from a unique perspective. And it's important to understand all of them to get a fully biblical perspective on the good life. So as a thought experiment, you could actually imagine each of these books as as a person. So Proverbs would be like this brilliant young teacher, and Ecclesiastes the sharp middle-aged critic, and Job would be this weathered old man who's seen a lot in his day. We're going to start by meeting the book of Proverbs, the brilliant young teacher. And she's not just smart, she's smart about everything, work, relationships, sex, spirituality. She has incredible insights things you wouldn't see on your own. Yeah, she would be the perfect friend to have around when you need really specific advice. So what makes her so smart? Well, Proverbs can see things that most people don't see. She believes that there's an invisible creative force in the universe that can guide people in how they should live. And you can't see it, just like you can't see gravity, but it affects everything that we do. So what's this force? Well, in Hebrew, it's called chokhmah. And it usually gets translated into English as wisdom. It's an attribute of God that God used to create the world. And Hokmah has been woven into the fabric of things and how they work. So wherever people are making good or just or wise decisions, they're tapping into Hokmah. And whenever someone's making a bad decision, they're working against Hokmah. Right, or as it says in Proverbs chapter 1, the waywardness of fools will destroy them, but the one who listens to wisdom lives in security. So it's like a moral law of the universe. Yeah, it's a cause-effect pattern, and no one can escape it. And Proverbs personifies all of this as a woman. Yeah, Lady Wisdom. Right, and she roams around the earth calling out, making herself available to anyone who's willing to listen to her and to learn. Which leads to the second thing Proverbs believes, that anyone can access and interact with wisdom and use it to make a beautiful life for yourself or for others. You can create with it like a designer. Yes, in fact, chokmah in Hebrew isn't simply intellectual knowledge. The word is also used to describe a skilled artisan who excels at their craft, like woodworking or stonemasonry. So you show you possess chokmah when you put it to work and develop the skill of making a good life. Okay, that makes sense. So let's do this. Let's go find some wisdom. But before you do, Proverbs has one more really important thing to consider. Chokmah isn't some impersonal force. It's an attribute of God himself. And so in Hebrew thought, your journey to becoming wise has to begin with what Proverbs calls the fear of the Lord. It's this healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And true wisdom means learning those boundary lines and not crossing them. So let us begin our study of Chokmah. Let us become wise together as we go into the Proverbs 1 Guide to 
wisdom. The Proverbs 1 guide to wisdom. I'm going to begin in Proverbs 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. I want you to pay attention to 7 in particular. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And let's focus in on this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Here's point number one. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Just like that video ended, it begins with the fear of the Lord. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you want chokmah, if you want wisdom and you want understanding and you want knowledge, the beginning of all of that is the fear of the Lord. What do you fear? What do you fear? Uh, do you remember this TV show called Fear Factor? Love that show. I don't know why they don't have it on anymore, okay? Come on, Joe Rogan, bring it back. I, can, I know you're listening in, Joe Rogan, okay? So bring back Fear Factor. Fear Factor was awesome. They would like put people's heads, like they'd cut a hole in this, right? And they would stick your head through it and then they would pour bugs on you. That's, and then see how long you can last. That's how it would work, right? Or they'd throw you in a rattlesnake pin and then they'd see how long you could last with the rattlesnakes. Or they'd hang you upside down from a helicopter and over hot lava and they'd see how long you could last, that kind of thing. And $10,000, that's what they're trying to win, okay? All these crazy things trying to win $10,000. And what it did was it engaged in the deepest fears uh, of our lives, like things that we naturally are afraid of. They call it fear factor. What are you afraid of? Here's one observation. I think we live in a world that is afraid right now. I think the people that say they're not afraid are afraid too. That's the dirty little Secret in a time of uncertainty. Even the people who are saying, I'm not afraid, guess what you're afraid of? You're afraid of losing control. That's what you're afraid of, right? We have this facade that we don't fear anything, that we're strong and we're okay and we don't fear anything. But can I be honest with you? You have fears. I know you have fears. But the question is, are they the right fears? It says this, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. We don't need to fear people that we don't agree with. We don't need to fear people who will vote differently than us this November. We don't need to fear unknown uncertainty. We don't need to fear tomorrow. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Nothing else. How have I navigated this season? Okay, this has been a challenging time of leadership, right? There are opinions as many as armpits, okay? And most of them stink just like armpits. Okay, so but listen, okay? So all kinds of opinions. And if I lived in fear of you, if I lived in fear of your approval, I would be a bad leader right now. I would be a not godly leader. I would not be a wise leader. But guess how I walk into each and every day? Guess how I walk into this sermon this morning? I say, God, what do you want me to say? 
I don't have to answer to them at the end of my days. I have to answer to you. I'm not accountable to them at the end of my days. I'm accountable to you. I don't worship them. I worship you. What do you fear? What do you respect? What do you put at the highest pinnacle of your life? If it's anything other than Jesus, if it's anything other than God, you might not be wise. If you put other things up there and you've said, that's more fearful for me, I need approval, so I'm so afraid I don't get approval, you are not going to be wise. If you say, man, I am so fearful of the uncertain times and I am so fearful of other people in these uncertain times, you have not put God at the top where he should be and you will not become wise. The beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge, it comes with the fear of the Lord. Number two, wisdom comes through listening. Verse eight says this, listen, my son, to your father's instructions and do not forsake your mother's teachings. Wisdom comes through listening. Listening is an art. Listening is an art that I think many of us have lost. Like, listening isn't waiting for your turn to talk. What? Yeah, seriously. Okay, you don't need to raise your hand about this, right? At home, I can't even see you anyway, so it's all good, right? So, but listen, you can raise your hand at home because I can't see you. Okay, so listen, if you sit around and you listen to somebody and you're like, here's what I want to say right now, and I'm going to say it as soon as they stop breathing, that I'm just going to, like, I'm going to jump in, right? Like, that's not listening. That's not wise. You need to learn the art of listening. One of my great mentors in my life said, you need to listen for understanding. Listen why people think the way they think, especially if they think differently than you. Listen for understanding, not because you have to agree with them, like, don't be afraid of that. We just talk, covered that point. Don't be afraid of that. You, can't, you can have conversations with people that have different opinions than you. You don't need to be afraid of those conversations. You need to be afraid of God. That's the beginning of wisdom. Second part is you need to listen. Listen, 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 listen. We need to be those who get better at listening. If you say to me, I don't listen very well, Brian, guess what? You're probably not wise. <laughs> That's just how it works, Right? Solomon says, listen, my son, to your father's instructions. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Better to be silent and be considered a fool than to speak and remove all doubt, right? Or my theory, if I just keep talking, eventually something good will come out, right? That's funny, but it's not wise, okay? We need to be those who listen. For those of you who we consider wise in the room. Like think of, think of the person that you think is wise. I bet that person's really good at listening. I bet they've listened to you. I bet they've listened to you so well that they've asked really great follow-up questions because they want to listen to you more. They have perfected the art of listening. One of my favorite hobbies in life is like getting wise people around me. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't, I, 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 I don't got wisdom. So I need it. So I need to listen. And, and so my mother and my father, I have listened to their words. If you're kids, you kids, you're listening right now, 
listen to your parents. They have words of wisdom for you. And it doesn't just stop when you get to a certain age. Like I still call my mother and my father for advice. I still say to them, hey, what words of wisdom do you have for me in this situation? My, My high school basketball coach, Coach Dick Cotty, was a phenomenal coach. We only lost 13 games, I think, in all four years of playing for him. Most winning coach in Colorado history, high school basketball coach. And I listened to him intently. He he said things like this, bloom where you are planted. Words of wisdom just kind of oozed out of him. And I just wanted to be around him and listen to him. Bill Tybert, Sean Sykema, lead pastors that I worked with. We didn't always see eye to eye on how we should even run the church, but I would listen to them intently. I wanted to learn from them. I knew they had wisdom to impart to me, and I just wanted to listen and listen and hear what they said. There's so many guiding principles for my life that I took directly from them. How I pastor, how I preach, how I even put sermons together. It wouldn't happen without those men in my life. Alan Johnson. So one of my head elders up in Big Sky, I had uh, coffee with him just this week, one of the wisest men I've ever spent any time with. And I just, he asks great questions and he listens really, really well. And I just want to be like him. Gail and Betty Fremont, Derry Long, who's going to teach next week, right? The list goes on. Wisdom comes through listening. Be good at the art of listening. Number three. Wisdom has to be heard above the crowd. I'm gonna skip down to verse 20, okay? Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. Wisdom has to be heard above the crowd. I love this point because when I went to seminary, I was like, I'm gonna be an awful pastor because here's the deal. At seminary, they were like, you need to be silent. You need to pray a lot read the Bible, go to your study. Like Jesus went to the mountain often and prayed to the Lord. And I was like, man, I'm loud, right? Like, and I like to, like, like I just said, I'm not that good at listening. I'm learning how to listen. But like, I got this sense that like only holy people who are quiet and maybe introverts were gonna be good pastors. I got that sense, honestly, in seminary. And here's the kicker. I think that we often still, engage in this dichotomy that we say, oh, okay, if you go climb the mountain and you go uh, up to this monastery and you be quiet for 150 days, then wisdom will be imparted to you. But here's what the passage says. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. You need to hear the voice of wisdom above the crowd, which means you're where? In the crowd, right? It doesn't mean you go off to some holy huddle or up to some ivory tower. It means you're down in the crowd and you're listening for the voice of wisdom. Wisdom, the picture is that wisdom's calling out above the crowd, right? Imagine a a really busy marketplace, like the busiest place you've ever been, like the last place you want to go during COVID, okay? Imagine that place, okay? And there's people talking and they're close to each other and it's all over the place and you can't even hear yourself think. Wisdom is calling aloud above all of that. And so we need to be listening in the midst of the crowd, not just listening to other people, but we need to be listening for the voice of wisdom in the middle 
of the crowd. You need to be listening, not just to other people, but you need to be listening for the voice of wisdom in the middle of your regular life. Like your quiet time is not your wisdom time. Like wisdom is available to you just as much in that important business decision you're about to make as he is, as, as she is with you, wisdom is with you in your parenting. And wisdom is calling out loud to you when you're grocery shopping just as much as when you're doing some plumbing DIY. I, you know, like wisdom is right in the midst of your life. It's not just somewhere, it's available to us all the time. We need to hear the voice of wisdom above the crowd. Number four, wisdom is not simple. Wisdom is not simple. Verse 22. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? See, being foolish is simple. But being wise requires hard work. Everything I've mentioned so, so far it's, it's simple to understand, but it's hard. It's hard work not to allow fear to drive your life, to put God in the right space there, right? It's hard to do that. You've got to remind yourself, oh, I fear God. I don't fear all those people. I don't fear all those things. I don't fear uncertainty. It's hard work to do that. You've got to wake up and do it every single morning. It's hard to learn the art of listening. That's why most people don't do it. It's hard to learn how to listen well and ask good follow-up questions and listen so that you might understand the person that you are talking to. It's hard to hear the voice of wisdom calling out above all the other voices in the crowd. This is hard work. And Solomon wants to say to us, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways. As I mentioned last week, we live in a overly simplified time. We live in a time where we like, we can't imagine not having professional sports. I'm like, people have done it before. Okay. We'll figure it out. Right. Like if your life is coming apart because like, uh, I'm I'm not going to go there. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. You get the point. We live in a world where you can't imagine that the grocery store shelves aren't stocked properly. And, and you're like, I never knew where it came from. Like, that's how simple we are. We can't imagine all the inconveniences of not having all the choices we think we're entitled to. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's not simple to be wise. That's why we look around and we go, man, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of wisdom out there. Yeah, you know why? Because it's not simple. It is not simple. And this is what I want to say to us. Stop being soft and simple. Stop it. Stop being so soft and simple. I'm going to take my coaching voice with you, okay? Like toughen up a little bit. Get a little grit in your system. This is going to be good for you. If you can get through this moment in your life, guess what? It's going to have a purpose for you. You're going to be stronger for it. You're going to make it through this. It's going to make you better in the end if you get through it. But if you soak away and you say, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna deal with this. I just don't wanna deal with this. Listen, you're not gonna get stronger. 
God wants you to be strong and he wants you to be fit and he wants you not to be so simple. Don't be like pudding, soft and sweet, okay? Be strong and gritty. The conversation about racism is not simple. It's not. You gotta work. You better read some books. You better have some conversations. The conversation is not simple. The conversation about masks is not simple. It's not simple. That's why we can't all agree on it. It's not simple. The conversation about politics, it's not simple. Some of you are like, it's simple. No, it's not simple. It is not that simple. And if you think it's simple, that's because you're simple. That's why. That's because you don't want to do the hard work. You don't want to grow up. And I'm saying to you, come on, church, we're better than that. We're made in the image and likeness of Jesus. Do the hard work. Lean into these things. Don't lean out of them. Don't, don't surround yourself with a bunch of people that think just like you. These conversations are not simple. You want to know why? Because you're not simple, right? I'm not simple. You got stuff. You got secrets, right? Would you want all your secrets up on that screen? Uh, no, right? That's the answer. You, you got a history. Like you got things in your past that you're trying to get over and other things bring that up in your life. You don't even know why you do some of the things you do. You're like, why did I even do that today, right? You're not simple, which is why all of this is not simple. It's why we're so frustrated and why it seems like there's a lack of wisdom. We're not simple. We need to listen. We need to get above the crowd. We need to fear God above everything else. And we need to lean into the fact that this isn't simple. And listen, this isn't going away. If you want to live the way of Jesus, you're not asking for the simple way of life. If you want simple, go, I don't know, go wander up in the woods or something, okay? Wisdom is not simple. Number five, whoo, I might preach for another hour, okay. Wisdom is given to the repentant. Number five, verse 23, repent at my rebuke. Wisdom is saying this, repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts on you. I will make known to you my teachings, repentance. When was the last time you thought I'm wrong? When was the last time that you said to somebody, I was wrong. I need to repent. I need your forgiveness. Parents, can I just say this? I'm, your kids need to see you repent or they won't learn to repent. They won't. You're like, my kid never says they're sorry. Do you? Have they ever seen you repent to them? Like we hold pride up as a culture. We hold pride up as a culture. Guess what the Bible says about pride? It's awful. You know what happens when you're prideful in the Bible? You fall. That's what happens. Do you know who God gives grace to? The humble. The repentant. The one who says, I am sorry. Right now, we just hear people saying, I am right, I am right, I am right. What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? What if, you, what if you're right, but you say it wrong? You ever had that? Don't nudge your spouse right now, okay? You're like, yeah, you were right, but you say it wrong every time, right? Okay? Wisdom is given to those who say, I don't know it all. 
I mess up sometimes. I'm a sinner. Listen, make no mistake. We don't want you to come here and act like you got your life all together. Like, I'm not interested in that. We're not interested in that. You want to know why? Because I got stuff in my life and I'm one of your leaders, okay? So get in the boat with me. It's sinking and Jesus is going to save us. That's how it works, okay? Like, we need to be repentant. We need to understand that we're sinful, that we've fallen short of the glory of God and we need him to save us. The picture of repentance is this, that we would turn and go another way. We're going in the wrong direction and repentance is like this. We go 180 and we go back in the direction of wisdom, back in the direction of Jesus. I wanna be filled with a church full of repentant sinners who understand that they're just saved by the goodness and grace of Jesus and just live into that each and every day. It's what the world needs now. It is what wisdom calls aloud for. So I'm gonna go over them again. I think, I think it's worth it. All right, here we go. Number one, wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Number two, wisdom comes through listening. Number three, wisdom has to be heard above the crowd. Number four, wisdom is not Simple. Number five, wisdom is given to the repentant. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a challenge, a collective wisdom next step together. I think these seven weeks can change our lives. I think they can change our church and our church is already awesome. So it's gonna be even more awesome. I think what it can do for us as a community is it can make us wiser. You are influencers, you have spheres of influence in your life. And I think these seven weeks can be transformational for all of those relationships. I think these next seven weeks can be transformational for your home, for your relationships, for your business, for every aspect of your life. So take the challenge, commit to the Proverbs challenge. Here's what we've done, okay? So if you go to the version app, if you're already streaming online, that's awesome. If you're here and you pull out a phone, that's like the world we live in now. So just do it, okay? So here's the deal. You go to the version Bible app. Raise your hand if you got the version Bible app. That's almost all y'all. Okay, good. Okay, if you don't, go get that first. And on there, there's a 32-day reading plan. It's connected to the video that we showed earlier, the Bible Project video that we showed earlier. And here's what you can do. You can engage with 32 days of devotions. So you go to the Bible Project and you look at the Wisdom of Proverbs reading plan. It's on your screen, right? The Wisdom of Proverbs reading plan. You're gonna start that plan. And if you read one proverb chapter of Proverbs a day throughout this series, you're gonna read the entire book of Proverbs. And all you gotta do is read it Monday through Friday with a couple weekends, okay? So to get through all of it, all you gotta do is read Monday through Friday. So what's gonna happen is you're gonna find that, you're gonna take the challenge, and then tomorrow you're gonna engage, you're gonna read through Proverbs one. And then Tuesday, you're going to read through Proverbs 2. Wednesday, you're going to read through Proverbs 3. We're going to have a Facebook Live, and you can interact with me, and we're going to study Proverbs together. And by the end of this series, you'll have read the entire book of Proverbs, and I think everyone around you, I think everyone around you will benefit from it, because we will become wise. See, here's my hope. My hope is that we have a few light bulb moments. Aren't these cool? Really cool. Like we have these aha moments 
where, where the lights, the lights just come on for us, where we, where we recognize like, wow, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be. So Jesus said this, hey, you're supposed to be the light on top of the hill. You're supposed to be the source of light. I mean, I, in this dark moment, in this dark time, don't we need more of these? See, I think you can be one of these. And I think there's moments where this is going to shine brightly in the darkness where you will be able to say in the midst of it all, it is still well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us wisdom, God. Pour it down upon us. Let us impart that wisdom to all those around us. Let us be so good at listening. Let us be so good at hearing your voice in the midst of every decision of our day. God, let us put you above all other things. We humbly come to you. We repent of our sins. God, we repent now as a church. We are sorry for the moments when we have been unwise. We are sorry for the moments that we've missed. We are sorry for the moments where you've called us to something and we've just said no. We're sorry, God, for our outward rebellion against you, where we use our words as weapons, where we don't love like you loved, where we don't care like you cared, where we weren't bold like you wanted us to be bold. We repent of that, God. We're sorry for the sin in our life, for our clouded thinking. We're sorry that we're so selfish. We're sorry that we, we don't love others like we love ourselves. We're sorry that we have missed your mark. But we commit and we pray, God, for these seven weeks that you'd make us more like you, that you'd make us wise that you would speak over to us. Even now, it is well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.